the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We talk about the Small Business Expo happening at the Cow Palace in San Francisco a week from Thursday. Not a week from Thursday. This Thursday, September 15th. Folks can get more information by going to thesmallbusinessexpo.com. That's thesmallbusinessexpo.com. Drop by and visit the KDOW booth. We usually bring some pretty cool swag. So hopefully we will see you there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls or emails on today. Um, yeah, so I think we got that going for us. So, <laughs> yesterday, it's been a weird two or three days on Wall Street. And it's sometimes just goes that way, and you have to kind of go with it. And what do I mean by that? Because I'm not, definitively not trying to dodge it. We were up, last week, on Friday, we were down huge. When I say down huge, 200 to 300, it's kind of one of those, whoa, people have given up on the day, they've gone home. And then the next day, we're up 200, and the next day, we're down 200. Um, All for very different reasons, and that's the funniest part about it. And I know you say, that's not funny. It kind of actually is. Uh, today we're blaming oil prices. Yesterday we were blaming when we're up. Uh, expectations that interest rates will stay where they are. So, lots going on, to say the least. And uh, it's kind of fun. So, things are a little screwy right now if you get where I'm going at. Um I was saying last week it doesn't make sense that oil is above $45 a barrel and it should come down. And that's good. The IEA, one of those energy agencies, declared that the global oil demand growth has been slowing at a faster pace than anticipated. Slow oil growth is implied slower economic activity. So the revelations triggered a 2.8% decline in oil prices back to $45 a barrel. It's invited concerns about the pace of global economic activity in general. 
um, that better than expected retail sales, industrial production, fixed asset investment data out of China can't dispel. I'm not going to say oil doesn't lie because there's a lot of things that go on with oil and supply and demand. Sometimes both could be manipulated. In a widely followed speech on Monday, Fed Governor Brainerd cited fragility in global markets as a potential risk to the U.S. outlook. That was one of the cautious-sounding views she expressed in a decidedly dovish speech that had some depressing undertones to it, like, our economy is going to slow down. The world economy is going to slow down. So it's kind of discouraging. Um, so no one's thinking, I guess it's next week, about, yeah, next week, Thursday and Friday, maybe? Uh, 20th and 21st is what I think it is. Um, where the Fed will talk and will they or won't they raise interest rates? They'll come out afterwards and tell us, well, we were close to it, but we decided not to. So y'all can go home, I suppose. Um... It's just weird, because right now a lot of Fed governors are coming out saying, you know, we should be raising interest rates, and a lot of, are coming out and saying, you know, we still th- see things as fragile. They're over-communicating. It used to be a couple of Fed chairmen ago, they didn't talk. They didn't tell you what they were going to do. But now they give speeches where they're like, the history of the interest rate. And you're like, boring, boring, boring. And that's why we're going to raise interest rate. And you're like, ding, 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 got something out of that. Um... So it's kind of nauseating what's going on. It's, uh, well, she said things are slowing down, but he said things are picking up. And I, I, I don't blame the average person out there just going, screw this. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. So, um, let's see. Heightened uncertainty about the outlook of the world economic events is probably how we will disavow the big gain yesterday and say that Friday and Tuesday are more real than Monday. But it does, again, show you that people are very interested in trying to buy back in when they feel that they've got the timing done just right. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's see, what else is out there today? Wells Fargo got into a lot of trouble for basically creating dummy accounts. You might come in for a mortgage they get you to sign the paperwork, you're done, and then on the way out, you're gone. They're like, let's open up a checking account for that person, too. And then when they don't put enough money in it, we'll uh, hit them for fees. So Wells Fargo was hit with a $185 million fine for secretly opening millions of fake accounts for customers without their permission. One of the nation's largest banks, Wells Fargo's fined pretty harsh on this. So they're going to do away with doing product sales goals, trying to reinforce their service culture. Um, yeah, it feels a little late. It feels a little weird because I remember when I was in high school slash college, I did a little stint with uh, working with AT&T, and they uh, had this new program called Reach Out America, and that's when long distance was a lot like your cell phone. You might remember a few years ago that, you know, uh, you got 1,000 minutes or 1,500 minutes or 2,000 minutes, and the data was pretty much so unlimited, or sometimes it was just 100 texts a month. And then as we went on, they were like unlimited, uh, unlimited voice calls, but they're, they're monitoring data. Okay. 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 And it's like, you know, it's, things change, right? 
I remember working in uh, for AT and T and like. There's something called Reach Out America, and it was for 19.99 a month. You guaranteed paid that. You got so many long distance minutes, and you got discounts on minutes over that kind of thing. I think that's what it was. But there were people in my group that would they'd call you because you had to make so many calls per hour. Well, hello, Mr. Fisker. My name is Robert. I'm with AT&T, and I've got an exciting new plan about Reach Out America. Click. Um, okay, Mr. Keel. My name is Rob Black. I'm with AT&T. We've got an exciting new plan. And then if you hit like F7, they signed up for it. If you hit F6, it went to like next record. And some people would just hit F7. Just, okay, I got them. They weren't recording the calls. That's why Wells Fargo got into a little bit of trouble. Not a lot of oversight on execution. And listen to this. This is just going to make you go, ugh. I want to, it feels like a mouse crawled in my throat, threw up on my tongue. And then died. A Wells Fargo executive who oversaw the unit that created 2 million unauthorized customer accounts is retiring from the company with a golden parachute worth $124.6 million. (laughs) Okay. No one tell Elizabeth Warren this because she'll get really mad at the company. Um... That's pretty egregious, right? And that's, I know why, I know people get upset with the stock market because of that. I know people get upset. So anyway, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. We'll take a break here. We'll come back, take a uh, look at anything that might be on your mind. Find me again at robblackshow.com. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Something that really irks me, when actors and actresses start talking politics or investments, hate it. When sports figures go on CNBC and talk investments, Gwyneth Paltrow, beautiful woman, made a decision most of us probably wouldn't. She traded the luxury that comes with successful Hollywood acting career for pitch meetings in business conference rooms. I think a lot of people would make that switch. Life of an actress isn't very, very long. Um... 
but she's out there doing a little PR right now because she's probably you know involved with raising money and potentially selling one of her companies that she's uh, put together, and she's giving advice. Self-reflection is important. The punk rock kid in me is central to my decision-making, but she needs to be tamed and definitely needs to think before she speaks. People matter. Culture is everything. Hiring is everything. And you have to believe in yourself. Yeah, I don't want to hear from her. Something decidedly wrong in that in my head. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Mortgage rates have finally started to crack a little higher, um, which is something that, that people do transactions when there's volatility. So uh, that's out there. Weight Watcher stock is at its lowest level since Oprah Winfrey bought a 10% stake in the company. It was probably gifted the shares to be a spokesperson. Chevy's Volt goes 238 miles. It's a pretty nice game changer. And what's nice about it is it's a sedan that will be out by the end of the year. And it's starting to get more Americans' interest in electric cars. I saw uh, Costa Rica went like some 75 days without any fossil fuels. We need to go that direction. And something like the Chevy Volt's moving us that direction. It's not there, but it's moving us that direction. Let's talk mortgage rates again with Tony Mendez over at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony, I've recently been talking to you a little bit about 15-year mortgages because rates are so incredibly low. I tend to favor the 30-year mortgage, but I'm able to say, let's take a look at some other ideas. Let's play around. Um, let's run the numbers to see if this makes sense because I like 15 years for like rental properties, especially if you start cash flowing. Um, it's it's pretty sweet. Someone else is paying off your mortgage and you're making a little bit more money. And it's a little bit higher payment than a 30-year, but it's also you save the money on the interest, which is okay. It's not bad, but um, I tend to like the 30-year, the house that I live in, I want to do the 30-year. Uh, but rentals are more like the 15. You gave me a website. You were like, okay, you can go to this website and shop for 15-year large mortgages. And I went to the website and you said it'll update every day. I couldn't figure out what the hell I was looking at. You need to talk. This is a radio show. <laughs> um, yeah, the 15-year mortgage is definitely a, a money saver for, for a lot of people that can afford it. Uh, the payment goes up about like 35%, okay. uh, 30 to 35%. Uh, for example, a $500,000 mortgage, um, you could save. If there's a 1% interest rate difference between a 30-year fi- uh, the 30-year fixed and the 15-year fixed, you can save about 230 $8,000 over the life of the loan. Now you lose the ability to earn But income. you also lose the ability to earn uh, income or the, the money. With a lost opportunity on that money that you've been putting into it. A lot of people, though, recently, Rob, uh, have been looking at the 30-year fixed. If you remember, it wasn't that long ago that the 15-year was over 4%, then it went to 35 and down to 3%. Now it's at 2.89 or something like that, which is fantastic. Uh, what I wanted to get at, but but yeah, the thirty-year fixed. Now people are looking at that and saying, you know what, I can do a three and a half to three point seven five percent interest rate, and then just do a self-amortizing to a fifteen-year, and then the months that I don't have the money, I can just go back to the thirty-year fixed. So there are options keeping a thirty-year fixed uh, on the months that you or, or years that you may not have the money to pay it. Let's just say hypothetically the difference between a thirty-year payment and a fifteen-year payment. The fifteen years two hundred dollars more. I recommend people if you do the thirty, put two hundred dollars aside. Um, and start building up a nest egg that way. And then when push comes to shove, if you want to pay it off, you can pay it off. 
And if you want to say, this is my retirement account now, it suddenly becomes your magical retirement account. Right. Um, always yeah, maybe at the end of the year, each year you use that as your your $5,500 contribution to an IRA, for yep. example. Um, You've done little tricks like that. You've got a rental property where I do. the income yeah. checks that come to you, you save. I, I, you don't I, put towards the mortgage. I net about $5,000 a, a year, $10,000 a year, sorry, and I put $5,000 in uh, for my wife and I. So... There are strategies like that. Even even going as far as saying, why do you, why would you get a thirty year fixed instead of a five year arm? A five year arm, the interest rate can be about a percentage point lower, which can save you two to three hundred dollars a month, or three to four thousand dollars a year, which you can save. Put that in aside, and then if you do have to refinance, if you know the arm portion of that that type of loan starts going up and the rate starts going up, your payment goes up, you can just refinance it, and if the rates are up. And in the refi, you just use that pocket of money to pay some points down and get the rate back down. So there are some uh, some more flexibilities and, and opportunities to uh, save some money and then also hedge against anything that goes bad down in, down the road. So, uh, But there's an immense amount of interest that you can save by going to a 15-year. And highly recommended if you can afford it and, and, and you can still fund your retirement. Wrapping this up, you sent me a website link, and I started this conversation yeah. by saying I couldn't figure out a damn thing about it. <laughs> Um, you smirk and you laugh and it's like, that's the difference between me and you. Like I get the big picture and I can do like, I can paint a nice picture, but I, I don't do the little micro dots and you have to do micro dots when you're in your industry versus mine. We do. Um, and, and one thing about a 15 year and, and, and websites and the way that, that uh, lenders and banks are marketing, is you have to be really careful because, uh, there are, they are misleading. Uh, a lot of companies will put in the fine print that, that, that two point whatever interest rate is not a thirty year; it is a fifteen year, and they and they get you in, they start the, the transaction, and you find out later that it's a a fifteen year, and and that's why I like the the, the face to face yeah. uh, interviews and and transactions because it, especially being local, there's a lot of places in San Diego and L A that are soliciting up here in the Bay Area. Um, heavy marketing. There's a place in in Portland that's advertising in San Francisco. We've all known about that one big bank. Uh, that's putting those billboards on the on the bus stops. Okay. Um, so you have to be really careful about the kind of marketing that's attracting you to either a website or uh, making a phone call, especially when it comes to changing, uh, making a big life change of going from a 30-year to a 15-year. You just got to make sure you run the numbers. And I think that's all I was trying to do, Rob, when I sent you this website, is just to give you a little bit more ammo to uh, to look at and make some, help you make a decision. But ultimately, you you were sent a flyer. That gave you a that showed a pretty decent rate, but yeah. the APR was higher. A lot of people don't know what the APR is. When you see an interest rate and an APR, which is the standard way of of advertising, and that APR is much higher, that means you're paying a lot of points, and that loan is very costly. And if you can find somebody with a lower APR with the same rate, that makes more sense. That's the true reason why the APR was even originated to begin with. A lot of advertising that comes to your house in mail, not a very good deal. But it looks like a good deal, not a very good deal. Anyway, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Now, 
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now from briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare. Mr. O'Hare, how are you? Hey, good morning, Rob. Doing okay, thanks. Good, good. We're back into the, the final stretch of the year. Summer's behind us. What a crazy last three days we've had. Um, Friday down big. And I only say that because if like, I'm at the gym or if I you know, look up at a TV and you see down 200, 300, I'm like, that's eh, kind of a big down day. Not horrific, but bad. And then up Monday, and then Tuesday it reversed. What's with the volatility, in your opinion, or what's creating the volatility? Uh, well, the Fed is creating the volatility, in my opinion. Um, just okay. uh, you know, <laughs> they're talking so much, and they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, and and it's you know the market really doesn't know. I think the market knows what to think. It knows to to think that the Fed just doesn't have a clue right now, and that's that's bothersome. You know, here are the <laughs> all the PhDs that have all the data in front of them should have some stronger sense of what's going on and a more cohesive sense with their monetary policy, and it just doesn't sound that way. Um, and so, uh, so everyone's left playing this guessing game, and then while we're doing that, we're also left with this sad conclusion that perhaps. Uh, you know, monetary policy is, has essentially hit its limits and that there's no more uh, ultimate ability to make any effective change for the economy uh, through asset purchase programs or, you know, lowering interest rates and the like. So uh, so that's a nettlesome point, and I think that that's created some of the volatility we've seen here of late. Do you want to go back to the world where the Fed didn't talk and was kind of secretive about what they were going to do? Because you kind of sounded a little frustrated when you said the Fed's talking and they don't know what they're talking about, or you didn't quite say that, but close to that. It's a little chaotic well, right now, and I agree with you. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I think more information is always better than less. But what the Fed, I think, needs to do is they just have to have a cohesive uh, mouthpiece. Um, you know, um, uh, their their communication ability has been really lacking, and it's kind of become too loosey-goosey, really, where everyone can just kind of go out and with the caveat that it's their own opinion, of course, and then they don't speak for the Fed. But, you know, at the end of the day, we all know that they all sit around the same table. So when you have all of these independent viewpoints being put out there, uh, you have no good feeling about what uh, what they'll say collectively, you know, coming out of that, out of that meeting. Now, what we know is that Collectively, they've all been afraid to raise interest rates for for, for a long time, really, uh, and so that's bred this sense of complacency in the market that you know rates won't go up, uh, and because they aren't going to go up, you have to continue to seek yield uh, in the equity market. But what we what we saw on Friday um, was a little unnerving because you know the Fed doesn't really control the back end of the Treasury curve; it controls the front end, and and but. Uh, you know, you saw the back end adjust, you know, pretty violently uh, in a one-day trade, granted. But nonetheless, you know, if, if the Fed, uh, if the market sense that the Fed can't continue to suppress long-term rates at a time when it looks like global economic activity is, is not going to measure up as many people expected, um, you know, that's not a good thing. You know, rates would be going up really for the wrong reason. They'd be going up in in part because there's a lack of faith in central bank policy. Uh, there's a lack of, 
uh, a belief that the Fed and other central bankers can do anything more to suppress those long-term rates and help jumpstart economic growth. And, you know, that's not a comforting consideration uh, at this juncture. So you want rates, when they go up, to go up for the right reasons. You want growth to be stronger. You want earnings uh, to be picking up. Uh, and you want a modest rise in inflation that, co- that accompanies that. You know, you can see, you know, an adjustment at the long end of the curve uh, in the face of things like that. That's more healthy than one that happens because there's simply a lack of confidence in, in central bank policy right now. So shifting gears ever so slightly, I saw two headlines this morning. Economists expect growth to go for at least two more years in the United States. So that sounds pretty good. And the other one was U.S. household income grew 5.2% in the year 2015, breaking the pattern of stagnation. And that sounds pretty good. And yet when I'm listening to you, Pat, I'm feeling a little discouraged. Um, and it seems like the Fed's run out of policy uh, ability to move and, and help and I'm getting kind of a confliction of there's some good news out there. Well, there is. I mean, there's always good news out there, Rob. Okay. <laughs> so, and, and you know what? Now, the first point you pointed, what economists think will happen, is is what I call more a soft viewpoint, right? I mean, the sure. future is inherently uncertain. That's just their viewpoint that things should be better. Um, and why wouldn't they think that when things have kind of been so sluggish, um, you know, for so many years now? That's um, that's not a surprising opinion. I mean, everyone, uh, I think it's ingrained in our nature to be, you know, per- relatively optimistic about what, what's going to come ahead here. Um, you know, um, and then the second point, though, is is what I refer to as hard data. I mean, household income going up 5.2%, that, that's a good thing. You know, you want to hear more things like that. Um, but you want to see that translate then into stronger levels of spending activity, uh, on the part of the consumer. And you want to see that uh, manifest itself in consumers being more confident about their income earning prospects such that they have a willingness to go out and, you know, maybe take out new loans to uh, start new businesses or, you know, to make improvements or, you know, what have you really, which helps drive stronger levels of economic growth, which in turn helps uh, feed into better levels of business confidence that leads to higher levels of business investment. And then so you have a nice self-sustaining cycle there if all of that kicks in. So so you do have the vestiges there of some good things unfolding in the months ahead, given the, the, the pickup you've seen in household income. But now that has to translate into into higher levels of spending as opposed to higher levels of saving uh, and and higher levels of, you know, debt deleveraging. Uh, because what we've seen here is that, you know, through the years is that uh, consumers have taken a prudent step a- after the financial crisis to pay down debt uh, and to bolster their uh, savings accounts uh, out of concern that you know they won't be ready uh, to uh, to deal with you know some difficult issues in the event you do have another economic downturn and that's that's kind of held the economy back here. But if you can get that translated into higher levels of spending, higher levels of consumer confidence, higher levels of business confidence, then those economists who are thinking that things will continue to grow for the next few years uh, probably will be right. So I've kind of been monopolizing things with my questions. Anything that you're seeing out there that you think makes for good money talk? Uh, well, you know, it, it, this what's, what's going on in, in, in the treasury market does need to be watched closely. Um, you know, it, 
saw a report earlier today, um, you know, Bridgewater's Ray Dalio, uh, who leads the largest hedge fund around, um, acknowledged that there's a dangerous situation in the debt market right now and, and effectively kind of said what I was saying at the top of the interview here is that there's uh, a, a budding sense here that really that, you know, the Fed is pushing on a string here with its policies, and that is that it can't really do anything more. Um, and uh, and you don't want to lose, con- you know, the Fed can't afford to have uh, control be lost uh, at the back end of that treasury curve and having long-term rates spike uh, or, you know, or go up for the wrong reasons. Uh, so that's something that your listeners and, you know, everyone should really be keeping a close eye on because that will have a residual effect on what happens in uh, in the stock market. Um, so, um, so I'm keeping a close eye on that. And then just in a related sense, I'll be updating Briefing.com's market view this week in my big picture column. Um, so, um, so you can look forward to that. So one of the things that I have a question about is um, if you watch CNBC while you're at the gym, just like uh, without volume, you'll see a lot of things that scare you. Um, you know, Ray Dalio sees dangerous situation with global debt. You know, ever since I was a little kid, there was an issue with debt and the U.S. debt and I get it. Um, and then you see stocks are primed for a 25% drop this year. How much of that do you read to kind of glean what their take is? And how much of it, do, like, do you have any go-to people that you trust more so than others? Uh, because I find it all fascinating. CNBC will put anybody on the air if they have a pulse. Yeah, <laughs> right. I love listening to Art Cashin. Uh, he's the director of floor okay. operations there. Um, CNBC like is always talking to him you know, on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, simply, he's got so much uh, history under his belt, you know, has seen it all, really. Um, and so his That's viewpoints fair. are, are uh, I pay close attention to. But, you know, uh, when you take a step back and you listen to uh, successful investors through the years like, like Stanley Druckenmiller, you know, who's, who's got somewhat of a cautious, you know, outlook right now in the market. Um, you know, guys like Ray Dalio, who when you, you almost have to listen to them because you know, he has the, the largest hedge fund around. Um, you know, Larry Fink at BlackRock, you know, uh, who oversees, you know, uh, largest money management firm going. Um, you have to pay attention to the viewpoints of people like that. Um, you know, I think they've got the pedigree and the history um, and experience really to um, lend some resonance to the market narrative uh, that's worth paying attention to. But I think to your point, though, there is a lot of information out there right now, probably too much, uh, and uh, and it does you know create some difficulties in trying to discern you know where things are going because for every bullish view you'll hear, you can certainly find a bearish view. And, of course, I want people to check your work out as well, because I've been following you for 15-plus years now, it feels like, um, at least. And uh, you've been very, very consistent. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Everyone should go Google Patrick O'Hare Briefing.com and see some of his writings. Jump on Briefing.com. Sign up for a subscription. Great source of information for domestic and international issues. On top of all that, uh, what he said about Art Cash, and Art Cash is a jewel, Check them out. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. American Express, which has been a sponsor of the U.S. Open for many years, set up the American Express Pro Walk fan experience. It was an augmented reality installation that lets fans see what it's like to walk out of the locker room onto the court, as well as be virtually greeted by tennis legend Pete Sampras and Monica Seles. Pretty cool. Um... Advertising is developing and changing quickly with augmented reality and virtual reality. And we're just at the beginning stages of it. So American Express has been increasingly throwing brand-sponsored events known as experimental marketing. Um, the promotion is exclusive with them. Whether they do an air-conditioned make-your-own-sunglasses exhibit at a music festival or an Uber ride and tickets to see Beyonce, we're having dinner on the 50-yard line at CenturyLink Field in Seattle. Some events are available to the public, but special bonuses are reserved for card members. Um, the perks are pretty awesome. They're, and again, I'm not, I'm not a shill in any way, shape, or form for American Express. They don't pay me. Um, I like where advertising's going because. Radio and television struggles at times with the old 30-second and 60-second commercial ain't what it used to be. On Channel 4 Cron, the station that I work for, um, they sell little infomercials. So if a doctor happens to be really good at plastic surgery, but he's not getting enough people in his door, he'll buy a two-minute, three-minute commercial and show you you know, a before and after. And it's more effective for him than buying a 30-second, 60-second commercial. So I like where some of this is going. There's also another way of marketing these days where it's extremely bullet shot. So if the radio dial has 70 stations in a market and none of them are Chinese, well, a Chinese company will buy that one station and dominate. Um, so that's called bullet shot. And there's just different things going on out there. Um, turning my sights here is I think people are getting smarter and they want things in different you know, packages. A credit card just went viral, and I talked to you a little bit about it. And to hear credit card going viral, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it's a $450 annual credit feed, credit card fee, and I got it. Um, I enjoy it. The bank that issues the card, J.P. Morgan Chase, ran out of the engraved card's fancy metal stock in only 10 days, and it had to send temporary plastic placeholders for disappointed customers. The Chase Sapphire Reserve card has done more than generate product hysteria at its finest. It's also intensified the arms race amongst large credit card issuers. So going for a $450 annual fee, it's going for people who spend a lot of money on credit cards. But they're willing to give you better perks to get you, knowing that you're more likely to swipe every single time with them if it's the best damn card out there. Um, it's the best time in years to shop for a rewards card. So there's other ones out there. America Express Platinum Charge Card pioneered the premium category. For a long time, it was the undisputed champion. 
But in 2014, Citigroup overhauled its high-end prestige card to take on the Platinum card with similar perks, free hotel stays, access to airport lounges, private golf courses, transferable points. Um, but a credit card actually sells out. Uh, it did better than they were expecting. A lot of rich sign-up bonuses. So um, I got the card, and I'm not telling you to go get the card. I'm telling you that if you use credit cards wisely, there's some value, even in paying 450 bucks. You get $300 credit automatically back. You get essentially 150,000 points um, on um, travel, and it's pretty loosely tied up in travel, hotels and uh, airplanes, so... That translates to about fifteen hundred bucks. You're getting fifteen hundred bucks for signing up for. You're getting eighteen hundred dollars, and then you're also getting free. Uh, da, 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 help me here. Um, some lounges in airports, but you're also getting a free TSA check, so you can go through the front. Uh, you through, so you go through security pretty quickly. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't want you to do it because I said so, but there's some good websites out there for comparing credit cards. And if you're able to pay off your balance or the whole thing every month, I highly recommend. For years, the holy grail for a lot of credit card rewards has been the guaranteed 2% back on every dollar that you spend. So the problem is that how do you make that product profitable? And they went more high-end and went for 3%, but instead of $99 or nothing per year, um... They went, you know, they give you more. So merchants pay fees to accept cards, but different merchants pay different amounts. Annual fees from cardholders are consistent, but the number of people paying late fees may not be. So the banks also can't be sure what percentage of cardholders will carry a balance and pay interest and for how long. I've got the Barclay Arrival Plus World Elite MasterCard. Um, you get two reward points for every dollar you spend. Um, the Double Cash by Citibank is a nice card. Um, but use your perks. Don't let them sit because that's kind of a currency when you hear points. It's another word for currency. And they could change the terms essentially almost at any minute. Um, and if you miss your payment, whoops, you may lose those points. Um, you're going to have to take a little leap of faith on some of these. Spending $20,000 a year on a card that gives you 2% back gets you $400 in rewards. Um, I spend a lot more than $20,000 a year on credit. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, and YouTube Rob Black Show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.